Who has ever had high expectations for something and that got tremendously let down? It could have been a movie, you saw the trailer, you were super excited to see it, or it could have been a restaurant where your friend recommended and you ate the food and it was garbage. Um, This is like the story of my life and actually I'm the type of person that does this to other people. Meaning I love the things I love and I love to hype things up. So if I love something, I'm gonna let you know, yo, this is the greatest thing ever. It's amazing. You're going to love it. And people usually get let down. There was one time, one of my good friends, I was taking him to my favorite pizzeria in the world. It's called La Focaccia in Melville. And I want him to have my favorite slice, which is a vodka slice there. It's amazing. And people that know it, it's so good. It's incredible. And I wanted him to have it. And so I've been hyping this slice up for years to this kid. And he finally is about to have it. And I don't want to put him on the spot. I'm not going to name any names of who this person is, but he's one of the drummers here in the church and he really loves fitness, but I'm not going to name any names for you. So he's about to have this slice and he, he takes a bite and he was like, bro, that was the worst slice I've ever had in my entire life. And he started questioning my heritage. He started questioning, he doesn't even think I'm Italian anymore. And so bro, it's okay to be wrong. I just want to let you know that it's okay to be wrong. But we have all, all these expectations in life. We always expect things to go a certain way. We expect to go to a certain college, right, when we're younger, or some of you guys are in that stage right now. We're supposed to go to a certain college and get a certain GPA. We're supposed to, what, marry a certain person, right, and at a certain time in life. We don't want to be too old or we don't want to be too young. Maybe, you know, you expect to get a certain uh, job after college, and you expect to settle down and go to a house and have a nice retirement plan going. You expect all these things and you plan out your life to a T, right? Maybe some of you are really ambitious in life and you're just going for it and you're pursuing your passions as a career right now and you just have high expectations in life right now, right? But who knows that life rarely ever goes according to plan? Who knows that? We all, we all understand this, right? We are in a worldwide pandemic right now. Nobody expected this. Maybe 2020, this was going to be your year. This was going to be your year. You were going to finally lose that freshman 15. But what happened? Quarantine hit. You gained 15 more and then some. Maybe this was your year. You were finally going to get promoted. Maybe this was your year. You were going to finally get married. This was, you planned out your wedding. This was going to be amazing. You got everything right. Maybe this was your year. You were going to finally move on to the next stage in life. But what happened? Quarantine hit. You lost your job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe the unexpected happened. Your wedding got canceled. What happened? Life often has a way of exposing us and getting us to our core. It makes us ask really deep questions, right? A lot of you guys are right now, life happened unexpectedly, and you're just asking really deep questions like, God, where are you? God, I thought I was a good person. God, I didn't expect this to happen. God, I thought if I was a good person and I would just read my Bible more and I would do the right thing, that you were going to bless me. That's why I thought this was going to work. But I'm out of work. I'm lonely. I'm still single. And I don't know what to do next. God, what gives? Many of you, if you're honest, you're there right now. And you're wrestling with those thoughts. And you're at the point where you can't even believe in God, period. Or at least believe that he's good or that he cares for you or that he has a plan for you in some way. 
And maybe, let's be really honest, that's why you don't believe in God in general. Because you can't fathom the fact that there's a God out there and that he allowed such bad things to happen in your life. Maybe when you were younger, you're abused. And that really messed you up. Maybe when you were younger, your parents got a divorce and that messed you up. Maybe evil, horrendous, horrible things happened to you and you can't believe in God because life never went according to your plan at all. And I don't know where you are at and if you are there, I don't know how you're watching this. I don't know if someone sent this to you, DM this to you. I don't know how you're watching this video right now. But this, the scriptures, the Bible, isn't silent about the realities of this world. It's not, it's real, it's honest, and it deals with the complexities of this world. And if you were to open up your Bible, there's a book in the middle of your Bible called Ecclesiastes. And this book might be the most important book you'll ever read in your entire life if you're asking those questions, if life never went the way you wanted it to. You know, I remember growing up and just expecting life to be amazing, expecting life to be so cool. And I, you know, as a kid, I just remember always looking forward to Friday, expecting that the weekend would be amazing. But when I was younger, the weekend would happen, it would be okay, but then guess what always came? Monday, right? Because Monday always comes. And guess what? Scripture speaks to this. And this book, Ecclesiastes, is actually going to offer another conclusion because your conclusion right now might be that God's doing this, that God's the problem. But it's gonna offer another conclusion for you. It's gonna offer, what if my expectations are the problem? And it's gonna get to the core. It's gonna make you very uncomfortable. It's gonna get to your heart. And it's gonna really challenge you this morning or whenever you're watching this because you might have signed up for the wrong myth of who God is. You might have signed up for this myth that once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that everything was going to work out for you and that everything was just going to be great and God was going to make your life comfortable. And you might be like, no, I definitely did not sign up for that view. But what happens when life goes terribly wrong, when life doesn't go according to plan? Do you get mad? Do you get angry? Do you get emotional and you get mad at God? Because if you do, you might have the wrong view of who God is. And it's not, it's, if you're comfortable, this book is going to disturb you. And if you're disturbed, this book will probably comfort you. Because this is going to humanize our struggle. And it's going to get us to really get and really challenge us on what we should really expect out of life. And so if you want, I know if you're home and you're watching this, open up your Bible. Man, I love a good physical Bible. And we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. So while you turn to Ecclesiastes... I'm going to set up some context for you guys. So there's two main characters in the book Ecclesiastes that you really have to understand. And this morning, or whenever you're watching this, we're just doing like a crash course of Ecclesiastes. But there's two main people. There's an author who's anonymous, and there's someone called the teacher. And the teacher is a Solomon, or some scholars say he's Solomon, or a Solomon-like character. But I want you to picture, picture your grandpa sitting on the porch or some older dude, and you see this dude, and you know he's been through a lot, man. Like, you know he's been through all the war wars. You know he's been through Nam. You know this dude's got stories. And he's sitting on his porch. He's just chilling there, and you're a little grandchild running up to him, and you just want to know everything about life and all that life brings. And you sit on his lap, and this is how he starts to tell you about life. He says this, absolute futility. 
says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? Cramp, are you okay? Like, you and grandma doing good? Like, what's going on? Did the Bible just tell me that everything is futile, which means everything is pointless, that life is pointless? No, I don't think so. So you can relax for a second. Your translation might say meaningless or vanity. And I don't think the Bible's saying that life is meaningless. And I don't think the Bible is saying that life is vanity, even though that's a good name for an album. I think what the Bible is saying, and often the teacher goes through Ecclesiastes, and when you read it, he does say life does have meaning and it's bound up in God's purposes. But what he's saying is, we're not always going to understand why everything happens. That we're small, puny, tiny little humans. And sometimes we just can't grasp it. And some of you guys might know this, might not know this, but the Bible wasn't written in English. And so this part of scripture was actually written in Hebrew. And that word meaningless or futile that gets translated into English is actually the word hevel. And the the writer of this is brilliant because he's actually, what hevel actually is, is vapor or smoke. And what is smoke? What is vapor? You see it. It's there, but when you try to grab onto it, what happens? It goes away. You can't grab onto it. And so this is what the author, this is what the teacher is saying life is. Life is heaven. Life is smoke. Life is vapor. And he also uses the phrase under the sun here, right? And what he's saying is, man, we are living in a, a temporary broken world that's filled with sin. That he's tracing that all the way back to Genesis 3 when men rebelled against God and did our own thing. And because of that, sin entered into the picture and destroyed everything. So that's what he's saying by feudal and that's what he's saying by under the sun. And those two things are so important to understand the book of Ecclesiastes. And so now your grandpa's going on, he starts talking and he starts talking and telling you about his life. And we're gonna be in chapter two now and he says this. I said to myself, go ahead. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be what? Futile, hevel. I said about laughter, it is madness. And about pleasure, what does this accomplish? You know a dude's depressed when he says laughter is madness. You know he's got issues right now. He goes on to say, I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I partied, I drank a lot. It was my comfort for a little bit. And I, during that time, my wisdom was still guiding me. I just wanted to see what I can get out of this life. I want to see if I can gain everything I've ever wanted in life. So he continues, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. What is he saying? He's saying, man, I was rich. I got houses. I was building houses left and right. I was super creative. I was making vineyards, gardens. And do you notice who all this stuff is for? He says for himself. He built houses for himself. He made gardens and parks for himself. What he's depicting is that perfect life. And he's picturing, and he's depicting for you the life that he gains everything that he ever wanted out of life. Everything. And so he continues. 
I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also made silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. The dude is just bragging. He's saying, man, I built businesses. You need a job? I got a job. I have job security. I got so many jobs. I have so much money. Kings are jealous of me. And I don't want you to get tripped up over the fact that this dude has slaves. Because the Bible right now is not endorsing slavery. Never has and never will. But the Bible's not endorsing slavery here. The Bible is depicting a man who's chasing after three things. Money, sex, and power. Because we can read on and it says this. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines. The delights of men. He's depicting a man that's chasing sex. That he, this dude had any relationship he ever want. He had all the women he can ever imagine and dreamed of. And if you don't know what a concubine is, you can email Joe at joelevanti at gmail.com and he'll get back to you on that. But this dude had money, right? He's just bragging and this dude had power, which he had male and female servants and slaves. And at that time, the person who had those things, servants and slaves, they were powerful. And that's, then Bible is not endorsing this at all. And so he goes on. So I became a great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained in me. He's saying, man, look, no one lived a more perfect life than me. I had women. I had that relationship. I had that dream wedding that you wanted. I had everything you desired. I had that job. I had that perfect health. I had perfect friends. Like everything you've ever wanted, I had. I had a problem-free, pain-free life. I made my life comfortable. Everything that we've ever wanted in life, he had, and then some. And he says this in verse 11. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be what? Hevel. Pointless. Futile. Meaningless. Vanity. In the pursuit of the wind. He said, I've lived that life, man. The maximum amount of pleasure you can achieve and the minimum amount of pain you can achieve in life. I've lived that life. I lived that carefree, comfortable. I made it all worthwhile. And I came to the conclusion that it's hevel and that it's pointless. That you could party all weekend long, but Monday always comes. Monday always comes. Let's skip down to verse 22. What does a person get? with all his work and all his efforts that he labors at under the sun. For all his days are filled with grief and his occupation is sorrowful. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is hevel. You ever been up late at night? I know college students can relate to this, that you're just writing papers and you're just doing stuff and you are so consumed with the thoughts of work. Maybe you're so consumed with the thoughts of family and drama right now and all that life is bringing and your mind can't rest. The teacher, your grandpa, is saying this too is hevel. And so do you see where he's getting at? Because a lot of us are depressed right now. A lot of us don't feel so good. But what he's getting is that what are you hoping in? What are you hoping in? Are you expecting? See, I think if the teacher were to come here in 2020, he would say, what are you expecting? Are you expecting life after quarantine would be that good? Nah, it'd be hevel. It's actually going to be pointless. Do you expect that marriage that you've always wanted to be everything? 
No, that's going to be pointless too. And he's going to go down the list. Are you expecting, once you get that job, are you, once you get married, once you get that weekend and everything you want in life, and it could be really good things and maybe necessary things, if you get that, guess what it's going to be? Hevel. Hevel. Vapor. Futile. Because guess what? Monday always comes. See, the teacher in Ecclesiastes is getting to the core of what we believe, what we should believe, and what we should expect out of life. So how do we respond? Like, how do we, how do we respond to all this? Like, you, in light of the fact that no matter if I live an amazing life, it's worthless, or if I live a life that's full of problems and full of pain, that's definitely worthless, what do we do? How do we handle this? Well, the teacher goes on to say this in verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and what? Enjoy his work. For I have seen this is from the hand of God. Wait, what? What, what did you, you just said to enjoy life? Wait, what you just said to enjoy, you went for like 20 minutes on how you've gained an amazing life and that was worthless. Now you're telling me with the, the situations that I'm in, the, the, the mess that I'm in, I'm supposed to enjoy it? What is going on? And if you read throughout Ecclesiastes, he will do this dance to you. You, just, you would just think your grandpa's schizophrenic or something. You don't know what he's saying because he's going back and forth. He's saying, yo, everything's heavy, so enjoy it. Every, your work is heavy, enjoy that. Your family and friends is heavy, but enjoy it. You're just like, bro, what are you talking about? But here's what I think the teacher is saying. See, we see failure in life and disappointment in life and missed expectations and failed expectations in life as obstacles in our way of living a life of satisfaction and joy. But what the teacher is doing here, he's actually going to flip that on its head. And he's saying, no, actually it's the failures, it's the hard times, it's the disappointments. It's actually the key to having joy here under the sun in this broken messed up, chaotic, temporary world, you want to enjoy life now? Problems are the key. What? The problems are the key? That doesn't make any sense because we want a problem-free life. We don't like problems. We see them as obstacles. We see them like, look, if I can just get out of the way, if I can, you know, you know that meme where you guys doing this? Yeah, like he just wants to avoid all the problems in his life because that to us makes sense for an amazing life. That to us makes sense for a comfortable life. How is that the key? The teacher, if you read through Ecclesiastes, and I'm summing up a lot of stuff right now, he says, well, if you, have, if you think problems are the, um, if you have to avoid problems are the key to life, you're living under two illusions, which is comfort and control. Comfort and control. Comfort. The teacher just destroyed that view, right? He said, look, I gained the most comfortable life possible. I was healthy. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of stuff. I had a lot of jobs. I had a lot of pleasure. I had a lot of wine. And yeah, that wasn't worth it. And yeah, it was fun for a little bit, but what the teacher would say, actually, they're mere pointers. And it's just a small glimpse of something greater, of a future joy that's greater, that we can never experience here under the sun. 
that we can never experience here under the sun. And the second illusion he would tell us is control. Control. The teacher says the moment that you strip the way of the illusion that you are actually in control of your life, that you can actually make stuff happen in your life, the teacher would tell you that's the best thing that you could do. What? Why? How? That doesn't make any sense. Well, he would say, when you try to control things, when you try to hold on to the control, you micromanage your life, and you get stressed out, and you miss out on enjoying the simple things in life. You miss out on enjoying eating with friends, having a drink, because you're so obsessed with controlling your life. And um, this part is taking me to school. Honestly, like, I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed about making the right decisions in life. Ever since I was younger, I wanted my life to go a certain way and planned it out perfectly. And so even when it came to relationships, I remember when I was 10 years old, just sitting back thinking, you know what? I'm thinking my first kiss is going to be probably 14, 15 then. And then like 17, 18, I'll be making out with girls all the time and stuff like that. would be amazing. I was messed up. <laughs> Don't. I was really messed up. Uh, 10-year-old me was not good. But do you know when I actually got my first kiss? When I was 18, the day after I broke up with my girlfriend. With that girl. Yeah, You just don't plan for that stuff. You just don't. You can do everything you want. You can be like, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. It will never go the way you want. I remember thinking the next person I ask out, the next person I'm going to marry, I'm going to see this girl and I'm going to look in her eyes and I'm going to fall in love with her and she's going to be in a situation where she's about to get shot and I'm going to jump in front of the bullet. It's going to hit my arm. I'm going to fall down. She's going to make eye contact with me and she's going to fall in love with me. We're going to kiss. We're going to write this amazing book and we're going to make millions. That's how I thought my life was going to be. But you know what happened? I asked my current girlfriend out in front of all my friends on a Sunday night at church. No matter how hard and no matter how hard I tried to control the situation, it just never worked out the way I wanted it to. And especially when it came to trying to figure out my life and trying to say, man, what am I supposed to do in this life? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? I remember long car rides just complaining because I tried to control my life. I was obsessed with it. And what did that bring me? A lot of weird emotions, (laughs) pain, frustration, stress. I'm 24 years old and I got white hairs already and I'm losing my hair because of all the stress of trying to control my life. And I don't think the teacher is saying, hey man, just live like a hippie. That's what he, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think throughout, throughout the um, book, he's going to say, yo, gain wisdom, that's good. But what he's saying is, man, once you come to the starting point and you release control, then you'll have freedom to enjoy moments and to enjoy the simple everyday moments of life. And once I started, once I realized that in the text, like the last like two weeks of my life, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with controlling things and get mad when things don't go my way. I mean, I don't know if this relates for parents, but I can just see we are so focused on trying to control uh, your child, and yes, you're supposed to train, and yes, you're supposed to be there and be the best parent ever, but at the end of the day, you can't control that human, and so <laughs> you, they might be doing stuff crazy, but, and you by stressing out, trying to control that person, and you'll be so stressed out and controlling that person that you'll miss out on enjoying 
the simple moments you do have with that child. I don't know what it is for you. And, the, and here's the deal. No matter what season, no matter what failed expectations or not, no matter if you lived an amazing life or a perfect life or the life that's filled with problems and drama and complaining, guess what? It's always going to point to the fact that we need more. It's always going to point to the fact that we are in lack and we need something. Life's problems and life's complications and the complexities of life are going to the point to the fact that we are in need and that we are in lack. We're all in trouble. No matter the rich person or the poor person, we're all in trouble. Life can't satisfy us here under the sun. And as I close, there's this biblical theme throughout the Bible, and especially in Ecclesiastes, I think the teacher does on purpose. And throughout Ecclesiastes, you're going um, to see this. He's going to always talk about eating. And I want to actually talk about eating for a second. I know I probably got some of y'all's attention now that I'm talking about eating. But what is eating? Eating is, think about eating for a second. Just think about it. You are, every time you eat something, you're acknowledging something. You are acknowledging that you are what? Dependent upon that thing to satisfy you. Like, you need that thing. That was outside of your control. You needed that thing. And guess what? You eat that thing and you get satisfied, right? It's not permanent, but you have that satisfaction. And all throughout the Bible, we see this in the garden and with Jesus and that re- with Revelation, that feasting is this image of shalom and well-being in the scriptures. And look at verse 25. Because who can eat and who can enjoy life, what? Apart from him. Apart from him, we need him. We need him. And this ties in so great with the last verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the author wraps up everything the teacher says and by saying, hey, fear God and keep his commands. Fear God and keep his commands. And what does fearing God mean? And Doug talks about this a lot, and he always says that, no, it's not this idea that we're actually afraid of God, but it's this awe and reverence of who he is. And when that awe and reverence, we realize who we are, and that makes us humble. And that makes us realize that we do need him. It's that posture that we do need him. And so this is what the teacher is saying. He's saying, ma'am, look, Monday will always come. And the capital M, Monday, called death, is going to come for you. And you can live a great life and gain every pleasure and gain everything you want and live an amazing life. That would be heaven. You can have a life full of problems and have a life full of chaos. That would be heaven. It's always going to point to something more. And so... My bottom line is simple. Once we realize that life can give us what we're looking for, then we have the ability to enjoy life. Once we realize that life can give us what we're looking for, then we have the ability to enjoy life. The moment you give up the illusion that you're in control and the illusion that life here under the sun can give you ultimate shalom, ultimate peace, then you're in the business of having joy here. Because who can have joy apart from him? So is any of you in the illusion, under the illusion of control that you've just been obsessed with controlling your life, 
the fact that you can't then enjoy life. And it could be with career, it could be with relationships. I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. And especially if you are not a Christian and you're watching this video still, like you know, you know that life can't satisfy you. That's why I think you've watched the entire video because you know there's something wrong. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that God has put in eternity in every human heart. What that means is that there's something that you're longing for and there's something that you desire and that's God. And that's a relationship with Jesus. And in the moment, you have the ability to begin a relationship with Jesus and that thing you've been looking for and that thing that you've chased everything else for and that you chased in alcohol, in sex, in money, in power, and it's never satisfied you, the thing is Jesus. And you have the ability right now to receive him in your life. And maybe you still don't believe in God because of all the bad things that happened to you because you were abused when you were younger and because some serious messed up things happened to you. The reason why I am in love with Jesus is because Jesus came to this earth and into this brokenness and into this temporary chaotic world. And he got abused for me and he got abused for you. He was separated from the Father, got divorced from the Father. Maybe the reason why you don't believe in God right now is because your dad left you when you were younger. And you know what? Jesus understands. And Jesus was abandoned by the Father so that what? He could give you life. Because he loves you. And this life is a gift. And I don't want you chasing after things, wasting your life, and you at the end of your life saying, man, it was futile. Man, it was pointless. Man, it was heaven. Because life here under the sun will never satisfy us. We can't expect it to. It's broken. But Jesus is a thing that we need. And he wants to come into your life. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. And you will be saved. And you can begin a relationship with him, a journey with him. No matter where we are in the spectrum, once we realize that life here under the sun can't give us what we're ultimately looking for, then we have the ability to enjoy life to the fullest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, that you came to us. That in our brokenness and in our shame and in our doubt, Lord, you came to us. And so God, in this moment, we're desperate for you. Help us to see, God, that you are bigger, that help us to have this awe and reverence and fear of you so that we can humble ourselves and realize that we need you. God, I pray for the person right now who, who's had a lot of pain in life and life never went according to their plan. God, I pray that you would, no matter where they are watching, no matter if they're watching on a phone, in the car, like I, no matter where, God, you're, let your presence, let your Holy Spirit convict them in not in a judgmental way, but in a comforting Father way. If you want to begin a relationship with him, 
right now you can, no matter what you've done, no matter how much garbage you've been through, no matter how much garbage and sin you have, Jesus' death and resurrection paid for it all. And you be, can begin to have a relationship with him by just saying, but just by just confessing and being honest in front of him. And, and if you don't know what to do, I'd like to lead you in that prayer right now. So if you want to just pray something like this, say, Jesus, I messed up, I'm broken. God, I don't know why things have happened in my life. But God, I know you're good and I know you love me and I know you understand. God, thank you for dying on the cross and paying for my sins. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you now. Pray all this in Jesus' name.